This is the final word. Everybody wake up. If you're not awake already. I'm Albie Oxenrider. Welcome to the final word, the show that invites you into the conversation. You can get your opinion on TV right here every Sunday night. And we're live tonight and in person. We have lots to talk about without further ado. Let's introduce the panel. Please welcome from Channel 11 Sports, Jenna Harner. Hi, Jenna. Hey, Albie. It's been a little while. It's October 3rd on October 3rd. A little Mean Girls tribute here. He asked me what day it was, and it was the day that Mike Tomlin said the Steelers are concerned that they've lost three in a row, but they're still not pressing the panic button. From the Trib, also Steelers radio host, Tim Benz is back. Hi, Tim. I can't wait until next Sunday's kickoff between the Steelers and Denver Broncos at Heinz Field. By that point, I'm wondering if the gambling over underline will be at 20 points or less. Oof. Who am I kidding? 10 points or less, and I'll still go under. Ooh. And from our partners at DKPittsburghSports.com, it's Chris Carter. Hey, I know everyone's down about the Steelers being 1-3, but I'm 4-0 against Jenna Harner in our daily fantasy matchups. Take that, Jenna. Shots fired. I see how it is, Chris. I see how it is. Oh, now we see. Some of the topics we're going to be talking about tonight, we're looking for five words. The most frustrating part of the Steelers season so far, you have a chance to redo one offseason Steelers move. What would you do? Pat Narduzzi bringing up the notion of Kenny Pickett as a Heisman Trophy candidate. Does he fall in that conversation? Pirate season is over with a 100 loss year. What would be a reasonable jump in record next year for their rebuild? Plus, of course, your final word. But first, the night's big topic. What's your reasonable expectation for Ben Roethlisberger in the next four games. Jenna, start us off. Well, you want to think there has to be some sort of improvement, don't you? But then you sit here and say, okay, what's happened the last handful of weeks? And even going back to what's happened from last season towards the end of the season, and you realize, hey, there maybe might not be that case. Look, the frustrating thing, and I get a lot of Steelers fans feel this frustration, is that they took a gamble on Ben coming back this season. They wanted to see what they had out of their quarterback. He was coming into a season where he's not coming off of elbow surgery. He can recover. He can go through a normal training camp. He's not building his arm strength back up. But what we've seen from him up to this point has been incredibly frustrating, and a lot of Steelers fans are feeling that. So you want to think there's going to be improvement. He said there was going to be growing pains with the offensive line. Guess what? The offensive line didn't look too bad today. Ben Roethlisberger did not look too good. Tim, your reasonable expectation. Uh, my reasonable expectation would be when they have a clean pocket for Roethlisberger, hit the open guys. I don't think that's pushing the envelope too far and take care of the ball. You know, he was doing that, or at least he did do that in the first game against Buffalo and maybe with the first half of the game against Vegas. But then it started to get a, loose, a little loose for Ben Roethlisberger when it came to ball control. And today we saw it most frequently against Green Bay, an inability to hit open receivers. That's cropped up previously this year. It really manifested today against the Packers. But, I mean, uh, when you got guys running open, when you've got deep shots and a little bit of time to hit them, hit them. Uh, when you got the guard getting pushed back into your lap like happened today, I'm not asking him to be Aaron Rodgers and escape that, but I am asking him to do the basics. Chris? Uh, both Jenna and Tim are right. 
that's the issue here is that you had several plays where, look, I, I get the offensive line has struggled. We talked about this last week, but Ben Roethlisberger is still the quarterback that you expect to make the reasonable plays. I'm not talking about hitting a tight passing window, window 40 yards downfield between bracketed coverage and double coverage. I'm talking about hitting Juju Smith-Schuster when he is when he has the end zone in front of him and no one between that, and you can float the ball to him. He's not even doing that anymore. And on top of that, he's not even seeing the field. On the fourth down play where he checked it down to Najee Harris, everyone thought that, oh, the play call was bad. Pat Fryermuth was standing wide open with no packer around him beyond the sticks. If Ben just looks to his left, he can hit him. There, he's got to be able to make those reads, take the open guys. And to, to Jenna's point about the line, they gave up, according to ESPN and Brooke Pry, they gave up 7% of the pressures, uh, 7% pressures on Ben's 40 dropbacks. That, that shows they were actually on point today as much as they could be for a line that's, that's been makeshift. Ben has to be so much better than this. And the question is, can he be? Denver's a tough defense next week. All right. A reminder, keep those comments coming. You can find us on Twitter at WPXI Final Word, on Facebook at The Final Word, and now it's time for five words. Give us five words on the most frustrating part of the Steelers' season so far. From Twitter, the season is already over. Also from Twitter, swing passes on fourth down. And finally, the offense as a whole. Now, Jenna, Tim, Chris, most frustrating part of the season so far. Jenna, What's your five words? Looks like late last season. This is what we saw towards the end of the year. You go back to that wild card game against the Browns. This is what we saw from that offense. They are not putting up the crazy amount of points that they should be capable of with that wide receiving core. Yes, obviously you have to look at the frustrating parts of Ben Roethlisberger's game right now being a big factor in that. But it really feels like it is a lot of what we saw late last season and probably isn't going to change for the near future. All right, Tim, five words. Throwing short of the sticks. Just like they were doing last year, it's continuing this year and it's driving me nuts. You know what? Like what Chris just said about the swing pass to Najee Harris, take the option away from him if he's going to do mm. it then because mm. it's just not working. It was the Najee Harris we ran out of bullets play again. Well, then take the gun away, okay, <laughs> and have him do something else. And, and then the, the one to Juju Smith-Schuster on, on the shallow cross, why is that an option? Because Ben is going to take it, and every defense in the NFL is still crowding the box yep. to stop the pass. Not to stop the run, but to stop the pass. I mean, what were they expecting? Juju to go with go-go gadget arms and extend three yards? I mean, that was absolutely ridiculous. I just I, I can't get beyond the notion of, Throw short to run long. That hasn't worked for a year and a half now. It's throw short to come up short, and I'm sick of it. Five words, Chris. No opponent has been overwhelming. It would be different if we're talking about these losses to the mid-2010s Patriots or the late 2000s Patriots when, you know what, you're just outmatched. Tom Brady's just dicing you up. There's nothing you can do. Your defense isn't, isn't what it is, and your offense is rebuilding. I get that. But none of these opponents, heck, the one team that you might have said that about was the Bills. They've now shut out two opponents this year. Their offense is back to being prolific, and they beat that team. They needed to beat these last three teams. The Packers, I know that Aaron Rodgers is great, but this game was within reach for Pittsburgh, and the plays were in front of them. They needed to finish those. They had chances. All right, Jenna, Chris, Tim, thank you. Still to come, you're going to have a chance to redo one offseason Steelers move. What do you do? Don't sign Juju and get a 
free up money for an offensive lineman. Juju has zero impact on games. All right, we're back after this. This is the final word. Welcome back. I'm Albie Oxenrider tonight with Jenna Harner, Tim Benz, Chris Carter. We already know it's going to be a big night because Tim said Vegas and not Oakland. That's a great sign. Yeah. <laughs> Chris. Pro move. Chris, you have a chance to redo one offseason Steelers move. What would it be? I, I guess you go get Morgan Moses. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are upset the Steelers didn't invest more into the offensive line, and that has been the issue. I know some people might say, oh, they should have just gotten rid of Ben Roethlisberger. But Ben's contract was still going to tie up a ton of money that was going to make this a harder year than, 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 than it is now if you, did, if you just had him sitting on the bench. And maybe that's an issue. But, sure, maybe they go get a Morgan Moses. To the person who said, you know, don't sign Juju back, I don't think Juju's actually a problem with this offense. I think he's actually been, been an asset. Not a great asset because Ben Roethlisberger's been playing so poorly but he's at least been a security valve for some first downs in that Buffalo win. Um, so I guess go get Morgan Moses or another offensive lineman. All right, back to Twitter. Hit the free agent market harder for an offensive lineman. If you're going to bring Ben back, then you need to act like it. All right, Jenny, you're next. I'm kind of half joking when I say this one, but do all you can to convince Marquise Pouncey to stay for one more season. Again, half kidding here in a sense, but he would bring a veteran presence to that young offensive line to help kind of steady the ship. That has been such a topic that we've been talking about over and over and over again. Not to mention, we know the relationship, obviously, that he has with Ben Roethlisberger. That would give Ben a little bit more confidence. Yes, obviously, towards the end of last season, we saw a little bit of a decline from Pouncey with everything that he was, you know, going through towards the end of the year and with where the team was at that point. But your OL would be in a little bit better position. Maybe he's a guy that Kendrick Green can learn from. Maybe you potentially look to go to a different direction in the third round um, of the draft. But hey, why not? Tim, what would you do if you could redo one move? Well, I'll disagree with Chris and I wouldn't have brought Roethlisberger back and even if there was dead cap money there still would have been money that they could have spent either on the offensive line or elsewhere to get free agents that could have reconfigured their approach to the draft and the other thing that would have happened is a they would have freed themselves up if they wanted to do something aggressively in a wild quarterback market both in the draft and during the trade market and free agency this year they could have done that and they could have gotten a look at Haskins and Rudolph and expedited that process of figuring out if either of those two are worth it as a starter what was it going to be worse than what we've seen so far. Now you got to make that move next year, potentially have one of them start because there's nobody worth drafting this year, or you make a big play in the offseason, which I would love to see happen with a Rogers or a Wilson. <laughs> I'm dreaming though. All <laughs> right. Pitt won big yesterday over Georgia Tech in their conference opener. Kenny Pickett continues to turn heads. Tim, let's go back to you for this. Pat Narduzzi brought up the notion of Pickett as a Heisman Trophy candidate. Where does he fall? in that conversation out of it he's not gonna win the Heisman I mean he's having a nice year but you know if Dan Marino didn't win the Heisman and Larry Fitzgerald didn't win the Heisman and Aaron Donald didn't win the Heisman at that school Kenny Pickett isn't gonna win it this year and people say well what if they get to the ACC championship game or even win it what if they do I mean I don't think the ACC is getting all that much cred right now anyway so He's having a great season with Pitt. I tip my cap to him. He's having a wonderful year, but uh, let's not get out of control with this. He's not going to win the Heisman. All right, back to Twitter. He's not Heisman worthy. Worthy. Stop with this nonsense. 
Uh, on to Chris. The biggest issue here is that his numbers are Heisman worthy, and it's because similarly to how the ACC is wide open, there's no heavy favorite for the for the Heisman. The top quarterback right now is Tanner Mordecai, who has like a few more touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett. But Pickett has the second most in the country with 19 and has only thrown one interception. Has run a couple himself. There's no predominant running back that everyone's looking at and say, well, that's Derrick Henry this year. There's no there's no Trevor Lawrence that's like, well, that's and the guys who were supposed to be that for Clemson and North Carolina, they're they're not playing well right now. Heck, the defense that just wrecked. Sam Howell and UNC just got obliterated by, by, by Kenny Pickett. That's where I think this is all coming from is that we don't know who's, a, who's an actual Heisman candidate. So that's the issue here. It's an open field and he's playing well. So that's why he's in the conversation. But we'll see later. Jenna? I was going to say, Chris, you kind of touched on that right there, but it is such an open field right now because there's no crazy front runner. Obviously, you can look to Bryce Young being the quarterback of Alabama yes. with what they've been doing, how they've been consistently beating teams week in, week out. But again, why couldn't he be part of this conversation? 19 touchdowns, one interception. He's averaging five touchdowns a game in his last three games, and he's beating teams the way he should be beating teams. Obviously, his performance against UNH was fantastic, but he did what he was supposed to do. He beat UNH and put up a whole lot of points while doing so. All right. And Sunday was the final day of the season for the Pirates. Uh, back to Jenna. The, the Buck season is over. 101 losses. What would a reasonable jump in record be uh, if you're talking about the rebuild next season? Well, you would have to think anything over 100 losses. You want to have less than that, meaning, you know, less than that in that sense. But we've seen a lot of young talent from this team. There are little milestones that you can look at throughout the season. Even just last night with O'Neill Cruz, or today with O'Neill Cruz hitting his home run. You know, little things like that that you can get a little bit excited about. Obviously, this isn't going to be all of a sudden this team comes out of nowhere and gets 90 wins, but you want to think that they're not going to lose 100 games next year. All right, back to Twitter. I'm going to be careful with the way this is worded. Got to get at least into 70 wins. All right, Tim, what are you looking for next season for the Bucks? Well, to your original question, Albie, are we sure there's going to be a jump? Because mm. I'm not. Mm. I mean, if you can lose 101 year with the way the Pirates fail to make moves to improve themselves, then you sure as heck can w lose 102, 103 the next year. So I'm not guaranteeing that they'll be better. I think they will be better. And my guess would be they could probably be about five or six games better. But then again, I have no idea what they're going to cobble together for a pitching staff. Chris? That's the bottom line. Do they even invest in the team? Do they do anything? You know, I, you know, I, I, I get it. I'm a younger Pittsburgher. You know, I've only the only Pirates time that I've seen in relevant in my sports watching time was that mid 2010s team. And they allow, allowed it to fall apart very easily. Didn't invest in it, and now they're here. They got some young talent, sure. Uh, Hayes, Reynolds, Cruz looked really good in, in, in the last couple games that he played. But what does it matter if they don't put put guys around him? If they if they make those investments. Okay, let's say they get the losses into the 80s. That's a little bit better. But they're still in a place where there's a whole bunch to see before they do anything. All right, thanks, everybody. When we come back, we're going to go around the horn on any topic. The final word is next. This is the final word. Welcome back, and it's time now for the final word. Everybody gets a chance. Chris Carter, you're first. When we asked Matt Canada about, about the fourth down play last week against the Bengals when Ben checked it down to Najee Harris, he said, 
there were guys in the end zone, and he was right. Cody White was wide open in the back of the end zone. If Ben lobs it to him, it's probably a touchdown, and that's a different game. Just like this would be a different game if he looks to his left and hits Pat Fryermuth. The problem is Ben Roethlisberger is making very simple mistakes, not just in the fundamentals of his throws or with his arm, but with his brain. And if the problem is, can Matt Canada get to this guy, a guy who's in his second year being an NFL coach despite coaching college football all the way from the 90s, can you get to Ben Roethlisberger? When you had to change his game in the early 2010s, it was Todd Haley, a former NFL coach, who got to him and got him to change his game. I'm not so sure Matt Canada has the guns to do that with Ben Roethlisberger and his veteran experience. Jenna, final word. It is the Red Sox and the Yankees for the wild card Tuesday night. This is what this rivalry is all about. It is just going to be a fantastic game. The way that these two teams have played each other also is just going to be incredible. Expect some crazy things. And the Yankees have a pet turtle. So... Yeah, not sure what? how I feel about their chances in that one. Not a fan. <laughs> Tim, final word. We've done a lot of griping about the Steelers' offense tonight, and rightfully so, but credit to Mike Tomlin for identifying the defense's failure to make some splash plays as part of the problem in this game against Green Bay as well. Minka Fitzpatrick didn't come down with an interception that he could have had, and T.J. Watt had a box score that featured a fumble recovery and two sacks. One of those sacks was on a trip when he – didn't get to Aaron Rodgers and just threw his leg out. Probably should have been flagged, and it was initially. And then the other one was Rodgers ran around like a chicken with his head cut off for a couple of seconds and then slid short of the original line of scrimmage, and Watt touched him down. So he has a two-sack, one-fumble recovery kind of day, and that box score, the result of what those plays were, meant a lot more than what it did on the scoreboard. All right, Tim, Chris, Jenna, thank you. There's only one thing I have to say as we close the show. When athletes mention the word mirror, it's almost always a bad thing. Hey, get ready for the Denver Broncos. That's the final word for tonight. I'm Albie Oxenrider for Jenna, Tim, and Chris. See you next time.